Hello, and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed, or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Well, hey, good morning. I'm Mark, executive pastor here, and uh, excited to be with you. Actually, this this whole series has just been really cool, uh, just personally for me. I hope if you haven't been around, if you want to go back and get on YouTube or Facebook and and track through uh, these different sermons, they they really have. It's just been an incredible study. And uh, something I was thinking about this week that I think is maybe important if you've been here for a while or uh, even if you're just you're starting with us is uh, kind of a little bit behind the scenes when when we're planning for these different series and as we're thinking about this time together and what it means, uh, you know, the way that we kind of think about that at the Grove. And uh, a big piece of that is that... You know, we want to make sure that we're we're communicating. So we're looking at these uh, this idea of what prayer looks like, and and adoration, and confession, and thanksgiving, and now today's talking about supplication. And uh, one kind of cool thing, I just man, I hope you even feel that. That all right? So now we're we're week four, and talking about adoration, and just praising God for for who He is, and talking about confession. And really looking at our sin and saying the same thing about it that God says about it. Last week, talking about, you know, what does it look like to, to really be thankful? And there's like this, this pause, all right? So we're, you know, man, these are, these are things that we need, to, we need to step through, that we need to think deeply about. And then, yes, today, we're going to talk about actually asking for things, but how, how much it impacts us that we that we move through these critical pieces of what it looks like to have a relationship with a creator, almighty God, you know? Um, and the thing that we want to do is make sure that we, we get our mind around what the scriptures say about it. So, you know, we've, we've camped out here for this series in the Psalms, looking at, at these different prayers of the psalmist and, and trying to understand, you know, what they're saying. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that it is fiercely uh, r- ridiculously, uh, explicitly applicable. That's, that's really important to us, that this time together, that when you walk out of here, you've maybe learned some new thing, uh, maybe you're reminded of something that you already knew, but that you also are really clear about, all right, this is what it might look like act this out, to, to do it, to do it as a community, to do it in my life individually, because y'all application is so huge. You know, Jesus said, go, go and make disciples. He said, this is what making disciples looks like. You need to teach them all the commands they need to understand, but you need to teach them to obey those commands. And so the application piece is so big. We don't just 
walk in and learn something new and go and not do anything about it. It's supposed to be changing our lives. And so I hope, especially this series, it feels like, man, I, you walk out that one week and Charlie is talking about adoration and what, look, what it looks like to just praise him. I hope that it impacted you in some way these last few weeks where you stopped and you thought, man, I just want to call out, God, you are, you are incredible in this way. I see it. I recognize that you deserve my worship. Or maybe some sin entered into your life, or maybe there's some habitual thing that you're caught up in, and you were reminded, man, I, I need to say it. I need to, I need to tell God. I need to call out that thing, God. It's not a good thing. <laughs> you don't like it, and I don't like it either, and I need your power to overcome it. And maybe there's this piece of confession that you were inspired. Maybe the idea of just being thankful from last week and the impact that it can have just to recognize what God has done, what He is currently doing, and the way that it changes everything about your life and perspective and interaction with others and with Him, if you'll just be thankful and how powerful that is. And I hope that each week you, you walk out and you go, okay, I got, some, I got some understanding of this, and I've also maybe got some tools or some ideas about how to, how to actually apply that. You know, it would help a whole lot if we came back in and we circled up and, and all asked, looked at each other and said, were you thankful last week? Were you thankful last week? You know, and there are groups that do that. That might, I mean, maybe, maybe we would all be more, we would apply better if we did that. But I just want to throw out that this challenge that that's what we're here to do. And so if you're at the Grove, you've been here for a while and you're like, man, what, what's happening during these Sunday morning times? Man, we're trying to know, but we're trying to be real specific about this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to do it to apply these things. So if there's ever a Sunday that you're walking out this Sunday, if you're walking out and you're like, man, I don't have a clue how to actually do that. Please track me down, track Charlie down and say, all right, that was a great idea. I get it up here, but how do I, how do I do this thing that we're talking about? And so today we're talking about supplication. Finally, what does it look like to, to ask in prayer, to, to point out things and, and ask God to move? And it's, it's just interesting, happens to be that our twins, they're about to turn nine, uh, they've just spent some time with their grandparents the last, uh, last month or so, and uh, my mom is trying to teach them the Lord's Prayer. And so this week, I'm, I'm sitting there actually prepping for this morning, uh, so I'm studying, and, and, and Darcy walks up and says, Dad, can I practice? Can I re recite the Lord's Prayer? And so I'm like, yeah, baby, go for it. And so, you know. She did what I did, uh, basically, before every sport, uh, sporting event growing up. Uh, you know, we would gather together and go, uh, Our Father in heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it ever gives us day or day to be. Amen. Let's go kill them. You know, that's, that's just, was just what you did. And it wasn't until way after that that I actually slowed down and studied, you know, what, what exactly was Jesus trying to say. And that's kind of what she did. And she also was having trouble with some of those old English words, you know, Hallowed. Hallowed kind of gives you some troubles. Like what exactly is a, is a Hallowed? Sounds like a fish that we should eat. Uh, you know, there's, there's things like, what do, you, what do you do with that? So I said, whoa, 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 baby. And then I, Jack was also trying to learn her twin brother. So I'm like, all right, you guys, you guys come here and sit down. I, I need to just point out some huge things from, from what Jesus said here and what, the, you know, the whole context of it. And, uh, and what I promise, uh, we're going to be back in the Psalms. Actually, Psalm 28 is where we're going to end up today. But there are just some things from this Sermon on the Mount and when Jesus calls out 
uh, this is what it looks like to pray that I think can kind of set the scene. And, uh, and also just total side note, I was in a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine who has been struggling in faith for a long time, and it was just really, really cool. Uh, he said, man, I just want you to know, I've been reading uh, Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, and then he, he just went off for about the next 20 minutes about this Jesus and these teachings and how powerful and real and true they were. And I was like, that, yes, they are. So if you hadn't looked at the Sermon on the Mount, you should probably go back and look at it from a friend who didn't want anything to do with it, who was very vehemently saying, this is good stuff. Um, and so the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that Jesus says is, hey, let me give you an example. This is what it looks like to pray. And so he says, our Father. Now, y'all know, I, I, I got to bring attention to anything that makes this communal and community. Because when we think about prayer, we don't think about it in that way. And at least Jesus' example from the Sermon on the Mount, what does he say? He prays a communal prayer. Our Father, not my Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Praise be to your name. Attention to your name. You know, I think week one, Charlie talked about the idea of the name that speaks to his, his character, you know, who, who, who he is, what he's done, how unbelievably uh, deserving he is and separate from us. He is hallowed, special, pure, holy is your name, your name. And then he goes on to say, he goes on to say, um, let your, your kingdom come and your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a prayer. I don't know how often you pray that prayer specifically. It, from the time that I really studied the Lord's Prayer, it became a huge part of my prayer life. Man, asking that the king, you know, in, in his kingdom, where this incredible, loving, kind, just, all-powerful ruler, the way that he, he sets things up, that the way that that looks, that that would be true on earth. Specifically, that that would be true in my household. I pray that I was telling Darcy, talking about it, I, I, baby girl, I pray that specifically when you go to school in the morning, that the kingdom of God, that his peace and his presence and his power, that it would be true in, in, you know, in, your, in your classroom at school today. That the kingdom and his, his kingdom and his will would be done in Darcy's life today. I pray, I pray it for me. And if you notice those, those two requests, it's looking to a, a prayer that most of us, me included, it doesn't find its way into my prayer life. God, let your name be made great. Let your kingdom and your will, your kingdom sit down and your will be done. Because I spend so much of my time praying for my ease, you know, my comfort. And then when my ease and comfort don't end up happening, sometimes I get frustrated. Like, well, did God miss it? Was I on the wrong wavelength? Did I pray incorrectly? Did I not? What did I not do? Because my ease and comfort's not happening here. And, I, and I'm missing it because God is desiring something much, much bigger. And he wants and, and desires to bless, but my blessing and my good finds itself in the middle of his glory and his name being made great on the planet. 
You know, you look a little bit further, right after the prayer, um, 633. You know, it says, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Again, the kingdom. And all these things will be added unto you. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's one that some of the first time I heard it, I'm like, yes, all the things. I like the way that sounds. All the things will be added unto you. Please shower down all the things. Missing the first half of it, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And all these things will be added unto you. Isn't it crazy? If I orient my mind and my life around the things that God is doing, and there are these incredible promises that you will completely miss if you make you the center of the picture, which I know is really tough because we want to make ourselves the center. But guess what? If you are the center, if I am the center, then I am God. And that's just not true. <laughs> he is the center. And his name and his kingdom is the one to be worshipped and the thing that we seek. You know, another uh, psalm that I just have to call out because it is my, by far my favorite because I think it's just one that we've missed so badly. Uh, psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. You know, you walk through the, the Hobby Lobby store and I guarantee you, you are going to see uh, Psalm 67 verse one plastered on something that you can put on your wall. But there are actually seven verses to Psalm 67 and that's just the first one. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, which me included you know, it, it, that takes a lot of my prayer life. Yes, please be gracious to us and bless my family and my life and let your face shine upon us. But it goes on to say, so that <clears throat> your name would be made great on the planet, your salvation among all nations, that the peoples would praise you, O God, that all the peoples would praise you, that the nations would be glad and sing for joy. So you catch it? <laughs> so that. My good, God, God bless us, let your face shine upon us, so that your name would be made great on the planet, your salvation among all nations, that the nations that don't even know of you would, would sing for joy when they're made aware of who you are and experience your goodness as well and give you the worship you deserve as well. This bigger, greater end goal and purpose. And so what happens is, you know, it's like, a, it's like this circle that's incomplete, Yes, God loves us. Yes, God cares about us. And yes, our prayers for the things that are, he cares about those things, even the most minute things. He, he invites us. We talked about this a few weeks ago. He invites us to come boldly to his throne and talk. Yes, yes, yes. But then you can't stop there because, man, there's this bigger, fuller picture. The end goal is his name and his glory and his kingdom. And you can't miss that. And, um, thinking about with just Terry and I and trying to, to raise kiddos, one of the things that we've seen, the older that they get, you know, they're, they're little and you can't, we got some baby dedications today and there's these cute little babies and you're like, yeah. And what's my job as a daddy? Oh man. Yesterday I, I finished finally the three hour marathon of the new avatar. Uh, and Brennan walked in and I was on the couch just bawling my eyes out because old daddy was talking about how the role of a daddy is to protect his kids. I'm like, look, daddy, you cry. I am. I'm sorry. I am. I got the kids. I got my heart. But yeah, you, you get this little thing and you're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect it. 
It's my role is to protect, to provide, you know, this, this baby. I don't want nothing bad to happen to this baby. And then they start walking and you're trying to protect them and they get a little bit older and then they start going to school. And man, you can't be at school all the time. I can't sit. That would be weird if I went to elementary school and followed them around, you know, like at some point it starts to get to the point where, where I can't protect them anymore. And then stuff happens. Bad things happen. Tough things Things that you would never wish upon them, that you've prayed that wouldn't happen. But then they happen. We had a few things this week. I watched Darcy cry this week. I don't want to watch her cry. I don't want there to be anything that's tough in her life. I want to protect her from all the tough stuff, right? But then they get older and you realize, well, hold up though. My end goal in this whole child raising thing is not that they're 45 and daddy and mom are beside them caring for their every need. Right? Like, our end goal is that they become independent, able to stand on their own and to move forward. And when the tough stuff comes, they know how to independently stand and and understand and stand against the tough stuff and keep moving forward and get up when they get knocked down. Not that I have to carry them up every time. And so, man, although I'm sad, I would be horribly incomplete if I just thought I just needed to protect them all the time and no bad things are going to happen. When the hard thing comes, we embrace it and go, you know what? This is leading toward this place of independence. And the same thing is true when we pray. We can't just stop with our ease and comfort. God is doing something much bigger. And once we catch a hold of that, once we start to look at things like that, it changes everything. And so the first big idea that I just want to make sure that we don't miss is uh, we have to keep in mind his, his glory and his kingdom. And I know sometimes um, talking about this, I've had people ask this question, so I'll just go ahead and go go right at it. Um, I don't think that it's much of a debate because uh, the scriptures are so clear that this is what God is doing. Um, but I'll have people say, but hold on, hold on, hold on. but God is kind and nice and he's a father and a friend. And you're talking about this, this really big God who's king and a kingdom. And those two things seem to be pulling away from one another. Say, is it this one or is it this one? And I'm like, yes. Why does it have to be either or? This is both and. God is big and great and glorious and worthy of our praise and glory. And then this incredible big creator, God, also wants to be really close and personal with us and invites us to come into his presence and trust him and lean on him like daddy. That is insane. That it's both and. That it's not either or. But we don't want to make him smaller. Don't bring him down to our size. That would be incomplete. And we don't want to make him, you know, out there and separate from us that he wouldn't welcome us. No, it's both. So we can come and ask confidently, but realize we're asking a really, really big, incredible God who deserves our worship. And so the second thought is that this is what I want to pull from Psalm 28. I'll just read it verse by verse and and make a few observations with the time that we have left. So verse one, it says, To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Do not uh, uh, be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent, I become like those who go down to the pit. So first huge thing, he says, To you, God, I call. He knows clearly the one that he directs this prayer of desperation to. When he calls out, there is no other place to go. He can't look himself in the mirror and solve the problem. He can't look at the people around him. There's there's no other answer. There is one place 
that this prayer is directed to you, oh God, I call. We need to make sure that we're looking to the right place. And then he says, you are my rock. And if I just had to ask you, like, what would be your description if you think about your relationship with God and what is he to you? What word would you use? Uh, man, a rock, rock's a pretty good one, right? And, um, and for me, it means a lot because there is this, there's this river that's not too far from the place that Terry and I grew up. It's, uh, it's called the Casatot. And uh, that, that was in the, the local tribe there, the Native Americans, that, that word means skull crusher because this river has multiple pretty significant drops. And uh, one of them, it, it drops and, uh, you know, all of that water's coming down and this big waterfall. And then right in the middle of it, there's this huge rock called, they call it the wrecking ball. And, uh, and that water just pounds that, that rock and it makes a, it starts to circle around it. So they call it the washing machine. That's that spot. Uh, you wouldn't want to swim it because you, you're going to get hurt. I have tried to, uh, take it in a kayak and it just thrashed me. Um, but right beside it, you can walk out there and you can sit on this, this rock. And in the middle of all the chaos of the skull crusher, and the wrecking ball and the washing machine and all of the loud, you know, if you've been next to a river and waterfalls like that, it's, it's loud and it's all this movement. And, but this, this rock is stable. And I, I wish, I, mean, I could take you there today and we could go out and sit on that rock. And it's, it's stable in the middle of all the chaos. And something else, I, I thought about this a few weeks ago because it, God reminds me of it often when things are chaotic in our lives that I could go back down there and it's that river is flowing and that rock is stable and it is consistent and it is unchanging. And something happens in my heart where this is just overwhelmed with peace that there may be a lot of things swirling, <laughs> but our God, he's our rock. And so I call to him because there's not a lot of rocks. There is the rock that's stable and sure and can be trusted. And he says, I, I call to you, my, my rock. Do not be deaf to me. Father, I'm calling out. Please, please hear me. Do not be silent to me. I, I want you to speak and I, I want to, I want to listen. If, if not, I become like those who go down to the pit. Basically, I'm, I'm hopeless if you're deaf and silent. I want you to, to hear my cries and to speak, which is really big. So if we're talking about what does this supplication, this part of prayer that we ask, what does it look like? I know this is going to seem kind of counterintuitive, but a big, huge part of it is we listen. <laughs> we, we, just, we just listen. And I think we have a hard time just, just listening, you know? How often have you just been silent and allowed him to, to fill your thoughts with his thoughts instead of just filling all the space with your words? I am horrible about it. I just fill all the space with my words and don't give me any room to, to speak in edgewise. And so uh, because of that, a lot of times I'll, I'll walk away and feel like we haven't had a conversation because we didn't. It was just me. It was me talking. I didn't have a conversation. I just talked a lot and told him all the things I needed to, him to do, you know? Um, kind of happened to me this week. I, we, I took in one of our cars to get the oil changed. And uh, the guy was telling me this. Uh, he was talking to me about synthetic and non-synthetic. And he was describing and helped me understand all the different things. And, you know, I fancy myself a car guy. 
but actually I just like cars. Like, I, I, I mean, I changed the oil growing up, but that was easy back in the day. Now it's too complicated. And I really don't know anything, but I didn't want to look like a total idiot. So, you know, he's talking. And so I start to talk back a little bit and, you know, try to sound like I know what he's talking about. Y'all, I use the word viscosity. I, I, I've never used the word viscosity before. Afterwards, I actually got in the car and looked up viscosity just to make sure that I was using it correctly in the sentence and the way that I said it, because maybe I needed to go back and apologize for my use of viscosity. And, and I, 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 then I thought, about why was I even talking? That was a situation that I just should shut my mouth and listen. He's the expert. I'm not the expert. Let the expert tell me what's up. But I felt for some reason like I needed to talk. I just need to shut my mouth. You know, a lot of times we just need to shut our mouths and sit in the presence of our God and let him speak into the things that are happening in our life, you know? Open our Bible with that anticipation that he's going to speak into it. He wants to. Don't be silent. Please speak, Lord God. Guide me. And then it goes on to say, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Now, if, if you catch it already, we're just a few verses in. He said, I call to you. Now he says, I plead to you. I cry to you. And it's hard to read this psalm or hardly any of them without picking up this, this uh, sense of desperation. And so, y'all, a key to uh, supplication, to asking, to prayer is a recognition of our desperation. And we, again, we start taking things for granted. We start thinking too highly of ourselves. And real quick, we don't, we don't pray with a desperation. This is my, you are my only hope. We, we pray with a, hey, would you add this and add this? You know, my air conditioner's not running quite cold enough. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we, we real quickly become not desperate. Uh, another conversation I was in this week with some, some friends who have been, uh, kind of uh, turned off by faith for a long time. And they made some comments that sounded like they were, you know, there were something God was doing something in our heart, which I just think is interesting. A lot of conversations, it feels like that. I think God is really doing something around us. Um, But then afterwards, uh, somebody was like, I mean, do you you think, is there a, is there a faith that's, that's growing in their hearts? And uh, I said, oh, there's, there's a belief because I tell you what right now, if the sirens started going off and tornadoes started ripping through Fayetteville and they were targeting this building, there would be a lot of prayers of desperation in this room. <laughs> there would be a lot of prayers of desperation in this city. Uh, what happens is we don't, we don't recognize our desperation very often. But when desperation hits us and it meets us and it knocks on our door, there's a lot of prayers, serious, heartfelt prayers of faith that happen. The secret is we need to stay in that place more often because that's the reality of what's going on. I think I said this last week, but we got oxygen in the air right now, y'all, and gravity holding us down. <laughs> and that's not you doing it. So we need to stay in this place of desperation. He, he is our only hope. We call, we plead, we cry. And then he says, I, and I lift my hands, which to me is such an important theme. Um, Back in the day uh, when I was ordained uh, into, into the ministry, the church that we were a part of, 
they had a way that they did that. They, they brought me into this room with all of the church leaders, the, the deacons and, uh, the pastor. And they were supposed to ask me questions to determine if, if this was, if God was also affirming that this is something he wanted me to, to do. And, uh, honestly, their questions were, uh, kind of surprising. Not, not the questions you would think they were asked. And one guy, so it happened to be a time where at that church, some people had started to raise their hands in worship. And some people really liked that and agreed with it. And then there were other people that it really made them angry when people would raise their hands in worship. And I was of the, my, I mean, sometimes I might raise my hands and sometimes I might not, but I would raise my hands sometimes. So one guy, one of the deacons is like, Mark, I got one question for you. I've seen you raise your hands sometimes in the music part of the service. Why are you raising your hands? And I really still to this day don't know if that was a guy that was uh, against it or for it and was just trying to make his point. I'm not sure. But he asked it very pointedly. Why do you raise your hands? Tell us why you raise your hands. And, you know, being, I guess, 20 at that point, I, uh, I was like, well, you know, I, I feel like when I, when I raise my hands, I am saying that I surrender. I surrender. And it's a position of, I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, whole, I'm, I'm letting you have it. I, I surrender. It's like, as if I were laying face down and saying, I, I, it's you, it's not me. And I said, sometimes I'm compelled to do that. And uh, it was funny because nobody had any response to that, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Not what he had thought, I think. Um, but that's, but that's it. He says it here. He says, I lift my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. I lift my hands. I surrender. And then he goes on to say, don't drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil who speak peace in their, with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. You know, anybody like that that speaks peace face to face, but they've got evil in their hearts. Again, even back to the Sermon on the Mount, this is about how we enter into God's presence, what's going on in here and how we deal with others, what's going on in our hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. So our hands are in the air. The opposite of that is the, the, this evil work of their hands. Render them their due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord are the works of his hands. They haven't recognized the work of his hands, what he's doing. They don't, they don't see it. Our hands in the air, his hands doing these, our hands in surrender, his hands doing these beautiful things for his glory. He will tear them down and build them up no more. And then there's this, this change in the psalm. It's like he turns and he's, instead of the, the asking now, he's, he's celebrating what God has done. He says, blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength. He is my power. He is my shield, my protection. And in him, that's where my trust lies, in the rock. And I am helped in him. And my heart exalts in him. And I can't stop singing. There's a song in my heart of thanksgiving because of him, because of the rock. All the attention to him and what his hands are doing. And I am in a position of surrender. The Lord is the strength of his people. And he is the saving refuge of his anointed. 
Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. So if you want an application, that last line, be their shepherd and carry them forever. What does this look like? I, uh, you know, our, our 17-year-old, Brennan, when he was two years old to five years old, we were traveling a lot. And uh, it just ended up that it made more sense. You couldn't really push a stroller. A lot of the places we were going, there were some dangerous places and some places that we were kind of worried about what he might pick up off the ground. Or uh, you couldn't really, really tight spaces. You couldn't use a stroller. So he spent most of the time, all the pictures, uh, basically, from two to five on my back, either on my shoulders or in a backpack. I actually got up some pictures here that I had pulled just to, to give you a picture of it. Um, Dude's way taller than me now, so it's wild to look at this. But uh, yeah, that that was that was BB for for several years of his life, and I was always amazed, and I've thought about it uh, often since. The amount of trust, of peace, that he seemed to have, even in some really chaotic moments, just. On daddy's back. You know, he a lot of times he didn't know that we were in a position of danger. He didn't know, but he just he just he just trusted and he just rode and he rarely was uh cry or whiny or anything. He would just he would just sit there, listen to these conversations, ride on my back, do all these things in this position of peace and trust. And y'all, I don't know about you. But that's what I want to do with my heavenly father. That's the life that he calls us to. When he says the abundant life is possible. When Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. All those things come to life. When our rock, we trust him. We come to him in desperation. And we let him carry us. And we trust him. We ask him big. We listen intently. And then we let the, the God of all creation do the thing that, that he's doing, the bigger picture that we can't see. And so I challenge us towards that, this moment, this day, this week. Let me pray that it would be true. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast. It's on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.